might be a Viking or a Saxon or a Roman, but tell me, do you like them? Would you sex them? Would you bone them? Would you go to bed with King Ethelred? Would you bunk William the Conqueror up in the sheets with Samuel Pepys? Mussolini was a meanie, led a fascist insurrection, but does he make you creamy? Does he give you an erection? Would you pork Richard the Duke of York? Does a boner start when you think of Bonaparte? Are you sexually aroused at the thought of Pol Pot? Historical hot or not? Hello, welcome to Historical Hot or Not, uh, the bonus bang. As you've probably gathered by now, the bonus bangs are some extra whimsical, light-hearted content to supplement the main episodes. The main difference between a bonus bang and a, and a primary historical hot or not episode is I can't really be bothered to write an intro for them, so I just wing it, and it sounds half-assed uh, like this. Yeah. Hello, Kath. How are you? I am fantastic, Eden. How are you? Yeah, good, sir. And that's another little example, because usually in the, in the main pod, I ask a witty question mm-hmm. that leads to some witty rapport. But actually, in the bonus bank, it's just, how are you? Fine. Yourself? Good. That's the level you get. That's the level you get with this superfluous content that we're giving you now, ladies and gentlemen. I like to think that the bonus bang is like, you know when you're at a wedding and for the pictures, you, you've got your tie done up nice, you've got your high heels on, you're looking good, you're polished. And then I think that the bonus bang is like 2am, you know, you've had a lot of drinks, you don't know where your shoes are, let alone <laughs> having them on your feet. But, you know, your tie has been cleaned up by a waiter. You're quite casual. You're not sure how you're getting home. You should probably have been at home three hours ago, but... Loads of the guys have got their ties round their heads. Mm -hmm. Someone's holding a child that's vomited on them. Everyone's nominally smart, but the wear and tear of hours of alcohol consumption is uh, is starting to show. Yeah, and that is where we are today. And I I think (laughs) it's my bonus bang. It is. So today I'll be asking Aidan if he would bang Juliet, 18, from Verona. Hey, I know who this is because it's really fucking obvious. (laughs) It's a little bit obvious. I'm going to send you a picture anyway. Uh, This is from her e-trothed profile. Uh, E-trothed, of course, being the fictional dating app that, uh, that we use here at Historical Hot or Not. On a superficial level there, Aidan, would you bang? Juliet, who is who's 18 from Verona. <laughs> Stop trying to turn me into some kind of Hebophile, <laughs> Kath. This isn't Hebophilia hot or not. But yeah, I would. Um, I wish we all know we're referring to Juliet of Romeo and Juliet fame. Or are we? <laughs> I mean, if there's a shock twist coming, I'd love it. But let's, I'm just going to assume that is who we're talking about right now. She's always depicted as hot, isn't she? Mm. They never yeah. uh, cast a minger or some heffalump in the Juliet role, because they're held up as idealised lovers. And they're also held up as a great tragedy of love. Mm-hmm. And basically, producers of, of plays and films of Romeo, Romeo and Juliet, they know we're superficial as a species, and yeah. ugly people dying is no tragedy. So you no. get your DiCaprios, your Daneses, those are the ones you cast. So, uh, yeah, in all forms, she's hot in this e trove picture, She's absolutely hot. Technically, it's legal to have sex with an 18-year-old, and uh, that's what we're telling the police, uh, her parents, and my wife when they question <laughs> why I did this. So uh, 
I'm in. Age is just a number. <laughs> Age is just a number, even if that number is a third of the number of years that you've been alive. It's still just a number, technically, still just digits. It's always men who've had sex with a teenager that say, Age is just a number, isn't it? It's never, <laughs> never anyone else. Actually, I will, as I'm rapidly approaching 40, I'm going to start saying that a lot soon. Mm-hmm. Age is just a number. But that's more just... Uh, to quell my own fear of impending time more than anything else. Yeah, 40 is not old, Aidan. It's just a number. It's just a really big fucking number. It's just a massive number. That's more than 30, 20 and 10. Really big number. Juliet Capulet was born on the 31st of July, and in the Shakespeare version of the story, she is 13, almost 14. However, this podcast does not condone paedophilia, uh, even hypothetical paedophilia of fictitious characters, so we're going to go with the Matteo Bandello version of the tale, in which she is 18 and Romeo is 20. I've considered doing people for this podcast, and particularly for the bonus banks, and Bolt because I've seen that their age is like 13 or 14. But now that you've, now that you've crossed the Rubicon, I am following. I'm following hard. <laughs> That's what she said. I don't mean, I don't mean, I don't mean I am hard following you. Uh, rock hard. <laughs> I'm following you into the Rubicon. I'm stiff as a board cat. <laughs> Perfect. So uh, Juliet is the only daughter of Lord <laughs> and Lady Capulet and the House of Capulet. Uh, who I hear make wonderful shoes. Uh, the Montagues and Capulets <laughs> are based on actual political factions of the 13th century, and their long-standing beef is uh, for political supremacy. The story goes, Juliet's at a family party when Romeo gate crashes it, and the two fall in love, which will last forever, uh, as all 14-year-olds expect. Uh, when they fall in love. And without being too hasty about it, Romeo breaks back into the Capulet mansion the next day for the second time in two days uh, to ask their only daughter to to get married in secret. It's not too forward of him, is it, that? But Aidan, how long do you think it's appropriate to wait before you ask someone to marry you? And what makes a good proposal? Is it breaking into someone's house twice? Is it the day after you've met them? I usually wait um, seven or eight Tinder text exchanges, Mm -hmm. I think is usually the amount. Yeah. Once she's replied to six or seven messages, pop the question. Yeah, by text. By text, yeah, yeah. Down on one knee, videoing it. Mm -hmm. I can't remember if Tinder has a a video function, but you could always say, uh, can you send me a number? I need to WhatsApp you a, a video file. Uh, and then just send a video of you on your knee. And they think they're going to say, meet me in Wagamama for a first date. But no, there's something much bigger coming. And then that leads to a life of, uh, well, probably loneliness. Because they'd say, yeah. no. but you know, you, you've <laughs> got to ask. You've got to ask the big question. What's the what's the point of uh, fanning around? We all know where it's going in the end. So it's cut to the chase. That's what I say. It's worth a try, isn't it? If, big if, if you're in a relationship, very hypothetical, I know, uh, how do you want your boyfriend to, hypothetically, let's call him Reese, how would you like him <laughs> to propose to you? <laughs> I actually did put spaces before and after that, so it would be very easy for me to cut out his name. <laughs> Good, but just don't put it in the video because my mum watches him. I'll cut it out of the podcast but put it on the Instagram feed. <laughs> no! <laughs> <laughs> my dad's on there that's even worse <laughs> uh how would i would have been proposed to or oh, proposed it's a modern it's a modern day either way or proposed yeah. well so the thing is i 
I wouldn't mind proposing to somebody, but also I feel like I would be taking something away from the man. You know, with it being such a traditional man thing, you know, it's, it's the man's role, isn't it? I probably wouldn't do any proposing unless I got really annoyed at the uh, the amount of time that a partner was taking to fucking get to it, you know? <laughs> I didn't realise you were such an ardent uh, fan of the patriarchy and their ways, Kath, but hey, I'm not, you learn something new every day. <laughs> I'm not, but on that one thing, yeah, I guess. Uh, but I, yeah, I think I would like something uh, probably uh, quite quiet. I, I wouldn't want uh, a big grand gesture. I find them quite icky, you know, a bit gross. Um, but I do remember uh, a tale of my friend who works at a cinema and um, there was somewhere there was a proposal that happened sort of between those two, um, which it made my toes curl, and I f- I fucking love it. <laughs> so this guy <laughs> comes in to where she's working on the popcorn counter and asks them to turn the music off because he's going to propose to his girlfriend. And then his girlfriend comes in, who is with her friend, and uh, he asks everyone to be quiet in the foyer of this uh, popular chain of of cinemas and then gets down <laughs> on one knee and asks her t- to marry him and she's just like what uh, we just kind of <laughs> like we just came to the pictures and, and my <laughs> friends here and i think she said no i can't remember how it <laughs> ended but he just sort of got up and they all went and watched i don't know mamma mia 2 or whatever the fuck <laughs> was on Hey, Mamma Mia films revolve largely on wedding, so I think he made an appropriate choice in proposing <laughs> to her in the uh, Odeon Salford uh, yeah. right before screening of Mamma Mia 2. At the popcorn stand. <laughs> like, she's halfway through ordering a shitty cinema hot dog and nachos, mm. and he's, like, shoving a ring in her face. <laughs> Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo? goes to meet his mates, Mercutio and Benvolio, to tell him about the old ball and chain, whereupon there is a big fight between the lads and Tybalt Capulet, who's Juliet's cousin. The lads start scrapping, Tybalt kills Mercutio, Romeo kills Tybalt, Benvolio is also there, I guess. Uh, Romeo gets banished from Fair Verona by the prince, who has frankly had enough of their shit. Uh, So Romeo goes to find Juliet, teenage couple cram as much banging as they can and then Romeo gets banished forever uh, a tale as old as time <laughs> her family decide that this emotionally heightened state is an excellent time to suggest that she should marry somebody else Juliet declines and does the only logical thing that she can do she finds Friar Lawrence uh, who helps them to get married and uh, she decides to fake her own death Friar Lawrence writes to Romeo and gives him a heads up but Romeo doesn't get the message but somehow does manage to get the message that Juliet's dead so Romeo decides to go and find Juliet and drink some poison. He dies dramatically just in time for her to wake up and find his corpse, whereupon she kills herself with the dagger that he's brought, which seems like a dangerous thing to allow a child to carry around (laughs) on a day-to-day basis. Particularly given his history, he got banished from the kingdom for killing somebody. Um, So Aidan, I guess the question here is, what are the staples that you never leave the house with? <laughs> We're talking like phone, keys, wallet. Phone, keys, wallet, uh, Bowie knife in a yeah. little leather pouch on my calf. 
mm-hmm. little gun, one of those little lady guns. So it's probably a bit misogynistic, but you know exactly the kind of me. Yeah, I've got a lady gun. <laughs> a rocket launcher. Would I keep my car? You can't carry that around, but I've got one of a good size that can just fit comfortably in the boot of a Hyundai i10, just in case the gun and the bow knife fail me. Mm -hmm. Like, what if I come up against a large gang? That's when you get out the old Romeo Lima. (laughs) And yeah, those are the things that I uh, never leave the house without. I live in a small market town in a relatively desirable part of Yorkshire. You can't be too safe. What about you? What do you live with? Uh, Phone keys wallet headphones and uh, and a long sword <laughs> it, it gets in the way when i'm riding my bike to work but when your sword gets caught in the spokes of your bike that can lead to some nasty accidents yeah my sword it cut me more than anybody else but it's dangerous out there especially when you're carrying a fucking sword <laughs> Anyway, the the two families are quite pissed that the kids are dead, so they decide to stop arguing. How many kids do you think of your kids, any kids, I guess, would have to die for you to stop arguing with your nemesis? (laughs) So basically, four kids was the limit for the the Montagues and Capulets, wasn't it? We've got Romeo and Juliet, dead, right? Fucking kill themselves, both of them, yeah? We've got Tybalt. Mercutio is just a guy, I guess. One dead teenager, who gives a shit? Two dead teenagers, call me on Monday. Three dead teenagers, stop talking to me, I'm trying to watch Pointless. Four dead teenagers, peace. We speculated a few weeks ago. I was saying I would like to have 13 kids because I can't sleep well, and 13 kids would just become white noise. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to say 12, so I've still got one left. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm just carrying on the family then. So uh, there's this early 14th century house at Via Capello, number 23, and that is claimed to be the home of the Capulets and is the most visited attraction in Verona, even though this is fictional. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) There is the Juliet balcony and there's a bronze bronze statue of Juliet. Uh, The right breast has been worn bare as it's believed that if you stroke it, you'll have good fortune and luck in love. Neither of which Juliet had. That's what's mental about this thing. It's like, I'm pretty sure she died as a teenager due to a confusion resulting from gang warfare. What on earth do they think is, 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 is good luck about that? With a guy that she married a day after meeting him. It's quite inspiring that, like, you can say fictional character that is literally is so famous everybody knows they're fictional and people will still come and give you money to come and look at your house tomorrow kath as a direct result of this conversation i'm putting a blue plaque on my wall outside my house that says oliver twist was born here just so i can start <laughs> raking in some of that tourist dollar that they're getting down in italy yeah well people also attach love letters to the wall and they do that weird thing you know where people put their name and then the loved one's name on a padlock and attach it to a gate uh, they do that there. But yes. since the 1930s, letters have been sent uh, to Verona addressed to Juliet. Uh, and in the 1980s, a group of volunteers called the Club de Julieta, or the Juliet Club, uh, have organised to reply to these letters. 5,000 letters a year have been received since 2010. What do you think the demographic of the people sending these letters are, Edin? <laughs> I mean, surely it's got to be hormonal 14-year-old girls 
who don't realise that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is an actor and not a real person uh, <laughs> who died for his lover, surely. Uh-huh. I've written this in the script. You're correct, Aiden. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way Aiden's there, but even he's going to get this straight away. Uh-huh, yeah. Three quarters of the letters are from women, which is a smaller amount than I was expecting. Uh, and- <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit like on Pointless when it's like, who wrote Hey Jude? And you think, well, it's going to be Paul McCartney 96, and it's only like 72. And you're like, who are the 28% that don't know that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who, who are the 26% of guys who are really buying into this Romeo and Juliet <laughs> house myth they've created in Italy? Yeah. Oh, American teenagers are the largest single group of senders. Of course they are. Not that I'm saying that Americans are stupid. Not a big fan of triple-digit IQs over there in America. <laughs> I think we'll find. Just a bit of lazy anti-Americanism there for you. Yeah, no, some of the most uh, clever people I know are American. Uh, is a lie that I'm going to say to get us out of this hole we've dug ourselves. <laughs> but um, I would like to credit nosweatshakespeare.com for their help. Well, they didn't help. They, they, put, they made a website with information on it, and I read it and then wrote this down. Uh, BBC Bite Size. Yeah, I did go to the homework website. Uh, and also to uh, Wardle High School, uh, which is now Wardle Academy, uh, where I studied and got taught this via the medium of video. We watched the, the, the Leo, Leonardo DiCaprio video. I mean, English teachers fucking loved it when that Baz Luhrmann oh. film came out. Cause oh, my like, God. Because yeah. it's genuinely excellent. Mm. And it genuinely makes Shakespeare very, very watchable. Mm. And it's just like, great, we can get them into it. But all that actually, I remember watching in school, and all, and all that really happened was there's just this, like, tidal wave of regional discharge whenever fucking DiCaprio mm. uh, appeared on screen. Like, showing that to 13-year-old girls. Like, the moisture yeah. levels. It was like suddenly being in a tropical rainforest whenever that blonde-haired dream appeared on screen. Yeah, you know how it is. Historical hot or not. So, Aidan, would you bang this child? (laughs) (laughs) Kath, can I just say, like, I genuinely try and pick, like, suitors for you that are appropriate. You might not always say yes, but it's usually a logic to why I've asked you. (laughs) In, like... We're like two seasons in, and already you've said, Aiden, would you bang this dog? <laughs> Literal, not an ugly woman. Aiden, would you bang this canine? And now you're Aiden, would you bang this actual child? Well, no, because. And, and you've tried to, like, you've tried to soften it by going, she's 13, but we'll pretend she's 18. No, no. But I know in my head she's she's 13. There was a genuine. There was So, William Shakespeare did not come up with this story. It was somebody else's story that he just made his own. And he, even at the time, People were like, 13, 14 is too young for these kids to be <laughs> fucking and getting married. Like, it was not normal then. So we are going with the the original <laughs> story, in which case they were adults who were able to uh, to consent. You know, um, when they were writing Raiders of the Lost Ark, and mm. um, they, were, they were spitballing the characters, and they were like, oh, yeah, you should have, like, you should meet up with an ex-lover called Marion mm-hmm. halfway through and she can help him find the Ark. And, and like, literally, this is in the transcripts. George Lucas goes, yeah, and like they had a relationship when they were younger when he was like a teacher and she was 14. And then he's literally like cast down in Spielberg going, um, maybe that's too young. <laughs> it's just like, what are you playing at, George Lucas? It's made 14. up. That's insane. It's made up. You could have picked any age. 
<laughs> not even the bottom of the barrel, legal barrel 16. You plunged through the bottom of that barrel into the floor below and pulled out the number 14. Age is just a number. <laughs> you could have gone with, like, university. She could have been 21. It could have just been one of those slightly inappropriate uh, lecturer-student relationships that often happen. Mm. But no, you went for lecturer and DiCaprio fan. That's what you went for. Mm. Um, would I bang this 18-year-old? This no. I'm going to say no mm. because I've watched a lot of gangster films in my life. Two of my favourite films are Goodfellas and The Godfather. Mm. And like, I genuinely don't glamorise it in any way whatsoever. Whenever I watch those films, I just, I always think, I do not want to be within a hundred miles of some of these characters. Because it's not even like they kill their own. No, sometimes they will just indiscriminately kill someone, a bystander who just happens to be standing in their way. Mm. And although Juliet is not a gangster... She's the daughter of a gangster. Oh, that's the vibe I get from it, right? Mm -hmm. It's two, like, warring gangs. Yeah. And I just think, don't dip your dick in the mafioso ink blot. That's what I'm saying. I don't know <laughs> if that analogy makes sense. You dip your dick in the mafioso inkwell, and your cock is going to be stained for a long time. Mm -hmm. On that poor analogy, I'm going to say, no, Kath, I will not bang this child. No. I don't care if she's played by Claire Danes, that fit one from the Zeffirelli film. Oh, fucking my wife. It's not happening. <laughs> you will not make me bang my wife. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, which Shakespearean character she's playing? It's not happening. <laughs> uh, no, I think that's fair. I always think that the gangster life seems quite stressful. I have put a lot of time and effort into making my life not stressful. So I have to support... Yep. Yeah, and it's it's not gone well, I'll be honest. I work a full-time job and also I'm a comedian and do two podcasts. <laughs> it's very... And this requires prep. You've looked at your life and gone, how can I give myself a nervous breakdown by the age of 30? And, and Kathy, you're well on the way. Oh, yeah, well yeah. That stroke is just one bad gig at Top Secret Club uh, away from you having a complete nervous disorder. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if I don't have one already. Cool, so Juliet has not made it onto the Bayeux Tap Latestry. Uh, she can look longingly from her balcony forevermore, for Aiden is not coming. Yep, she will say, Aiden, Aiden, wherefore art thou, Aiden? And I'll say, dicking some non-mafioso chick who ain't going to get me shot on the head. Mm -hmm. and swipe left immediately. As the Lord intended. <laughs> And I think that makes me quite principled, because I've been to Italy. Let me say, every woman there is fit. Every single one of them. Mm -hmm. I'm still saying no. Yeah, yeah. No, I believe you have been to Italy. There were some hot guys there. And you wonder why as well, because you go to Italy and it's like, you live on... Gelato and fucking dough. Yeah, you guys live on fucking dough. How the hell are you just not all like bronzed heffalumps you're all gorgeous fuck off and why are your streets so narrow yeah i can't have like one slice of toast and two beers without feeling i've then got to like get spend four sessions down the gym trying to work it off mm -hmm. those mediterranean cunts fucking stuff in the faces and still look like they should be on the cover of grazia mm. fuck off italy just fuck off yeah we love you really thank you for pizza anyway i have a little look an hour <laughs> on our coffee page, uh, we've got we got Johnny's and we've got badges on there if you want one. Buy us a pint, buy us a coffee. Johnny's badges, or you can just give us some money out of the kindness of your heart. 
just to hear more. All these episodes are free, but um, uh, we might be able to do it professionally and make this even better, if you can imagine such a thing, if you give us some money so we can quit our godforsaken day jobs. Mm -hmm. So uh, please give us money. Please, sir. Can I have more? Yeah, well, any. I'll do. Not more. Any. <laughs> that was Oliver Twist. Was it? Uh, begging for more in my house where he was raised uh-huh. 150 years ago because he's real. Yeah. Can I add a, a comic riff that I thought of earlier? I just didn't get a chance to interject it. Mm-hmm. When you were talking about padlocks, um, when you put the padlock on the thing and say we love each other, my wife once said, because we, we go to like European countries, well, they often have those bridges where they're just covered in padlocks. Mm-hmm. And she said, shall we put a, a padlock on a bridge? And she probably meant it half-jokingly. I said, yes, but it can't be a key padlock. It has to be like one of those ones you buy at the gym. Oh, the cord. Because that's actually more efficient in case we break up. Because that way, <laughs> if we break up, I can go down. I remember the, the, the number. It's 1066. Wheel that on. Take it off. It's ready for the next relationship. King of Romans. That's who I am, Kath. King of Romans. You are. And as well, you could always set the combination to your ex's birthday. Yes. Or to your current's birthday. And then change it to (laughs) your new partner's birthday and then whack it on. Yeah. Just make sure that you write on the... Your names in sort of non-permanent markers, so you're ready for that split-up data. Scrub it off and get the new initials on. Yeah. What I might do is like put uh, the, the the padlock on my Tinder photos, like it's the last photo, and I'm going to say this could be you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a HHN where. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be back very soon with uh, an episode which we've actually already recorded. I'm not going to say who it is, uh, but it was very fun to record. And uh, we think you'll enjoy it. See you soon. Remember, it's not what's on the outside, it's what's on the inside of the coffin that counts. I got to do it. I got to do our thing. Yes. Even though I came up with it, you did it much better than me, because I always forget what it is, even though I wrote it. Yeah, suck a dick, Aiden. (laughs) I'm off to suck a dick. See you next week, people. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Historical Hot or Not. If you'd like to contribute, we would fucking love that. So you can find us, we're at coffee, buy us a coffee. Uh, don't send it to us personally, it'll be cold by then. Uh, but it's co-b.com forward slash hot not pod. Uh, send us some coffee, not real coffee, send us the money in coffee. Episodes written by Aidan McCaffrey and Catherine Mather. Our wonderful logo is by Richard Todd. And all music by David Eagle. <laughs>